Hey everybody, you're listening to the second greatest running podcast in the world, Whereabouts Failure, brought to you by P2E Studios. Running or runners that are just in need of entering the witness protection program. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and Mike Gendron is not here with us today. But as always, at the House of Meg, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Man, I, I'm good. We're having a tough time getting the whole game together, but I think two or three is pretty good. Uh, but I'm good. As you guys talked about uh, ad nauseum last week, I was on vacation, so I am recovering from a, a you know a few too many red stripes down in Jamaica hanging out in the sunshine uh, but it feels good to be back you guys did a great job with the episode I got a few notes I was you know doing the Steve Gender and taking a few notes of a couple items that I would have loved to chime in on during the pod that I wasn't available for but for the most part you guys did great and, and I enjoyed the week off but I'm feeling rejuvenated I'm feeling refreshed I'm ready to go so we'll, we'll, we'll say Mike is not on vacation. He is in the process of moving his entire life from Connecticut back to Massachusetts. And I just want to say up front, I'm really glad I don't have to say Connecticut at the top of the show anymore, because that kind of, that was like a funny thing at the beginning of the show that we started right off. And it was just, it just became the intro, but I hate that Connecticut was the only state represented in our intro. And everybody thinks, you know, that we're, that doesn't know us thinks we're from Connecticut. Now I don't need to say Connecticut at the top of the show anymore. So um, he'll be off the coast of Massachusetts or we'll, we'll come up with a better, we'll come up with a better uh, intro um, once he's officially moved. Um, but Trent, well, I, I want to get to your list of notes. I want to hear what you have to say, what, what you have, what you thought about last week's podcast, but I let's start off, but start off with this. Can we go back to something that Mike and I were talking about last episode? What, why were you in Jamaica? Like, how did this trip to Jamaica come about? Was it one of these things that you just on a whim, you just jumped on a plane and, and went to Jamaica? Like what, when were you going to tell us that you're going to Jamaica? Why were you in, why, why, what was the reason for this vacation? So I had every intention of recording a podcast in Jamaica. Like I, I was completely just going to pop open. I mean, we're, we're doing this virtually anyway, so it doesn't matter. So I had every intention of popping it open and having the, the sunshine behind me, hopefully a screen door showing the beach in the distance and a fruity drink in my hand. But unfortunately, and I should have thought this through, the, the hotel Wi-Fi was a joke and there was no chance that I would have any sort of quality coming on the pod. So I kind of had to keep it my own, but no, it's actually, it's been planned for a while. It's kind of a weird, uh, uh, a trip kind of like thrown in, in between. Cause I got this trip home for my older brother got married last weekend. Shout out to Austin and Amy, great wedding. And then I'm sticking around the area for, uh, I got one of my best friends from home was getting married, uh, in a couple of days and then I'll head back to Idaho. Uh, but some people in my family were just like, Hey, post wedding, why don't we just do a, a little trip to Jamaica? Like not Austin and Amy, the people that just got married, they were doing their honeymoon elsewhere. But other Fontanellas were like, I think we deserve a vacation after the wedding as well. And, you know, I don't know if I was like totally on board with that idea. But when I said, well, I'm coming back to, to Boston for the wedding and I have to stick around or make sense to stick around for two weeks anyways, why not just spend a week in Jamaica? And I have to say, it's it was quite the idea. I think it worked out well. Well, 
you talking through this, I think brings up a really great idea. I think the like uh, bridal party honeymoon should be a thing, right? You, you get together, you do, you do the bachelor party, you do the bachelor party, you all, everybody gets together for the wedding, you have a party, the, the couple goes off on their honeymoon, and then the rest of the bridal party, you know, jumps on a plane to some Caribbean island or something like that. Yeah, and, and this time it was like the parents, right? Which I almost feel like they actually do deserve it because you see, you know, people have a wedding and I'm sure it varies based on whatever the situation, but if the parents are involved in it, uh, you know, they maybe they, they contributed some money for it, they deserve a little rest, but I agree. You know, especially as we get, so you see, I think you've been through, you even like have talked about, uh, sometimes you're just like, I can't go to all these weddings anymore. I think I'm kind of coming on, the tail end of the thick of it, but everybody hits that age. It's probably late twenties when the weddings are just rolling. They're going like crazy COVID for everybody out there. That's kind of in this age, uh, uh, threw a huge wrench in it. Cause you had probably a year and a half off and then it was even double. So I think probably this year is the tail end of like my, you know, I think it went from three to four years cause of COVID stretched out, but this year is like the tail end of my crazy wedding season. So I don't need it now, but everybody's going to have that that person that doesn't get married to their like mid 30s or something like that and everybody is going to be kind of itching to get back back in action and get back to to having like that party when they don't have wedding fatigue i think that's when this idea comes in handy where we have the wedding party honeymoon i love it i love it and listen I, i've been to many a destination wedding wedding in my life and they're all great and i'm happy for every single one that i've been to but destination weddings they get a little tough. <laughs> like they just get tough, right? They get tough to manage. They get tough to uh, just, it costs a lot of money. And, and for my wedding, I made a point of like, we're getting married in my hometown. Like I made like a, like a hard point of it. Like we're not doing a destination, but what if you threw this out? What if you threw this out to the, to, to, to all the loved ones in your life for the really close ones? Say, listen, we're not doing a destination. We're making the travel to the wedding as easy and as inexpensive as possible. But the money that you saved on what would have been a destination wedding, if you want, we reserved a block of rooms in uh, the Bahamas or, or Jamaica or Barbados. And you can then join us on a post-wedding destination. I love it. Have you done an all-inclusive before? like a Caribbean or Mexico or some sort I of haven't, I haven't. Um, so, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself an all-inclusive guy. Cause you know, even when the, the family was picking out this hotel, I had my reservations. I was like, I usually want to get off, explore, you know, I love trying to find weird places to eat. I don't want to feel like I, I just have the, the pressure because I spent all the money to eat every meal in the resort. And even like, you know, I like to drink uh, on vacation as much as anyone else, but I don't want to spend my whole day drinking. You know, I want to be out being active, exploring that type of thing. However, you know, what I'm noticing when I'm there, because this is an all-inclusive uh, resort, it is so perfect for those giant groups of people. Yes. Because, yeah, I see these extended families, like that's what all-inclusives are for, or, or big groups of friends. And that post, you know, uh, wedding honeymoon that you're talking about, you just go, you don't make any plans because you're going to see everybody all day, every day at the bar, at the pool, at the beach. You're having your meals together because it's all just like in one spot and, and you don't have to plan anything. This really would be like the perfect uh, bridal party. I can't believe no one's thought of this before. I think this is one of our best ideas yet. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it. I mean, I 
it, I think we're similar in, in our like travel mindset. Like I'm kind of anti all inclusive. I take it back. I have been to Atlantis in Bahamas and it was with a massive group. And that's what all include all inclusive is great for. If you, you just, you go, you go to an all inclusive. And like you said, you know, you don't need to like, you don't need to make all these plans for everybody. It's just like, Oh, I'm going to go down to the pool, jump in the water. I'm going to get a drink. And then you have seeing like two or three people that can't, you're right. Um, that that's that's the one thing. That's that's the one reason I'd probably end up doing all inclusive. So we, we got to figure it out. I have a couple all inclusive questions for you, and, and even if you haven't been in a while, I still think you have a a, a valuable opinion. It's not even all inclusive. This is just kind of a vacation one that I'll start with. So when you're in a place like Jamaica, you just you just order the local beer, right? I know you've been to Costa Rica a bunch of times. I've been once there was I don't even remember what's the beer in Costa Rica. It's like the classic that Imperial. Yes, Imperial. Imperial, or I believe the other one's Pilsen, but Imperial is kind of like Imperial is the one there. The Imperial, I got an Imperial sign hanging right over here. Beautiful. So, is that beer like actually delicious? Because the red stripe, I'm like, why don't I get this beer in America? Like, this red stripe is so damn good, or is it just the environment that you're in? It is 100% the environment. That beer is absolute dog shit, but it tastes so delicious. You get, you know, you, you just, you know, you see the signs everywhere. It's, you know, you feel like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're living like a local. The beer is terrible, but it, it I just wouldn't be caught dead without a uh an imperial bottle in my hand in costa rica or a red stripe bottle in my hand in jamaica it's it's crazy how quickly you go like when i go to the bar here and i i don't really know what i'm drinking uh it's miller light and then maybe at the end of the night i just ask for like a whiskey on the rocks but it's you just miller light as soon as you're there and you're just inundated by the signs and how they they definitely run miller light on tap i don't even know if they have miller light in a bottle but the red stripe is in front of you and it just comes out when you go to the bar. I'll have a red stripe. I'll have a red stripe. It's the only thing that comes out. But I needed to hear that because I was about to go to the store and get a six pack of red stripes uh, for the rest of the week here because they were just so damn refreshing. My my beer choice is, I would say, 85% driven by my atmosphere. I'd say by temperature, the, the season, and the atmosphere. Like, you know, from, from I'll say from the super bowl through the end of march i'm heavy heavy guinness like i'm just you know just all in on guinness and i might even continue a little bit into april but as soon as you get get that first nice day i'm off the guinness train and you're right like when you come back from vacation you try to hold on you try to like you just try to hang on to that feeling of being on vacation by like getting getting the beer i remember we came back my wife and i we did it we did like a uh, a trip to Asia when my brother was living in, in over in Indonesia and we came back and it was, a, it was a long trip and we spent like the entire next week trying to just find the beers that we were drinking over there to feel like we were still on vacation. So it's funny how <laughs> that works. The the drink that I don't want to bring back and because I could never really figure it out while I was down there. Oh, maybe I did like the last day is the fruity drink, right? You're, you're at the beach and you kind of just feel this need to get some sort of the fruit, but I'm useless in that scenario when you go to the bar and there you're trying to get something fun and exciting. Cause I'm a beer or I'm like a straight whiskey guy. I, there's a couple, I'll do a Manhattan, right. I'll do, you know, I even tried a, a dirty martini while I was down there. It's like, okay, this is all right. But you start getting this long list of frozen drinks and the sugary drinks. And you're like, it, it sounds delicious, but I just had no idea what to say when I got to the bar. And then you just end up saying red stripe and then you just drink another red well, stripe. Yeah. And, 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 Again, we've given we've been giving a lot of life advice to our younger listeners. And I'll say this, 
when you go to when you do the tropical vacation, if you do the all inclusive, you got to stay away from that stuff because they the, the the fruity, the slushy drinks, they fill you up. And so you can't you can't fully take advantage of the all inclusive atmosphere. And the other thing it does, it's a one way trip to hangover hell the next day you start putting that that sugar in your body like all those like fruit juices mixed with the alcohol it is it's going to ruin your next day yeah and it's it's funny because it's the reason why i brought it up because i felt like almost pressure to get it when you're there because people have it and because it's non-inclusive right i'm never gonna go to the bar and buy like a frozen margarita right it has got to be like a really special occasion for you after that or, or or a pina colada who goes to the bar in Boston to watch the Celtics game and what is a pina colada it just doesn't happen so you feel the pressure when you're there but I do I agree with you I think it's a trap I had one drink that was pretty good it was like a hummingbird they called it a little it was like a smoothie with a little booze in there um I'd recommend that one but I think I had one of those the whole week and I'll keep it at that so but thank well, you thank we, we you have uh we have all of our all in hacker fans turn, tuning in right now being like, who the heck are these alcoholics or, you know, our, our, our diehard Wisconsin listeners that haven't tuned in since the last time we had Morgan or Ollie on being like, geez, peak too early has really gone off the rails. So I, I apologize to all the nerdy running fans, but I will say, I bet you a lot of our listeners, the, the diehard two crew enjoyed that conversation, but Trent, let's not delay any longer. You know, before we get into our interview with Allen, let's go through, let's hear some of the notes you have for us. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So I was, I was gone. I'm listening to the pod uh, and I was just kind of jotting down a couple things I would like to add it in. So if people didn't listen to last week's podcast, some of this stuff may not uh, makes sense, but pause this, listen to last week, and then come back and resume and listen to the interview with Allen. So you guys just just had to bring up Super Bowl 49. It's yep. it's one of like the darkest moments of of you know forever based on what happened um at the end of that game. And and I'll never like forget, you know, being in the car delivering pizza, as was pointed out, and like as we got under you know 90 seconds ago in that game i just pulled over on the side of some random street in windham new hampshire just like listening to the radio just just going pulling my hair out uh thank god i wasn't working in the restaurant because i have no idea what was going on at least i could kind of listen to it but i just wanted to say i did not appreciate you guys bringing that back up again but i deserve it i get i get that i deserve it Trent, i think i'm gonna pull this clip for social and splice in a clip from the Malcolm Butler interception and what the atmosphere was like at my house in that moment, because yeah, I, I, I listen. And here's the thing, like at the time before this game happened, I said, is this guy crazy? Like what, what is going on? So I, at the time I, I called it what it was. I said, you are an insane person. What is wrong with you? Get over here. I think we even <laughs> called you before the game. Yeah. I wish I had the ability to keep like, text messages from that long ago i don't think they're in the phone anymore i've switched phones and providers and such so it's gone but i do remember you yeah giving me it was either a phone calls a text i don't remember the specifics but i remember just feeling like very ashamed of myself that night so when and you, you were like are, you were like I, I, at this point i'll lose my job if i do that and i was like well, go to the next pizza place why the hell do you care about this job get over to our house right now yeah, people need to understand, like, that's the biggest night of the year for pizza places. It's that and Halloween. It's Super Bowl and Halloween. If to, like, so just call out sick. On the, like, it's it's so obvious what you're doing. It's like, you know, the mall Santa Claus calling out sick on Christmas Eve. You can't, you can't just do it. 
so that was uh, that was just an unfortunate time for me. Um, I did want to just applaud you guys on the derailment. You guys were just talking Celtics and just old Super Bowls for about 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of the podcast. It was it was perfect. Uh, we uh, peaked to really your whereabouts failure. Uh, the engagement recap. I don't want to hit on this too much because now we're talking about you guys talking about something that happened on a podcast, you know, a few weeks ago now. But I definitely got off the hook when I was <laughs> the the missing podcast that disappeared in the internet somewhere and was never recorded. I think uh, was a lot, a lot more uh, criticism that I took. Again, is is probably off there. So I appreciated uh, uh, getting let off the hook early with yeah. the analysis. You got you got beat up pretty good on that on that that last episode. It was uh, it was much better performance or a much easier performance last week for me. And then the last point I'll hit. This is uh, this one just made me laugh. Uh, at one point, Steve, you were yelling at Mike for us just uh, uh, not being, you know, uh, aggressive enough on, on Cooper Tier and, and kind of being soft on him. And you go, you know, we're not just gonna, we're not. Why do I, why do I like Cooper Tier's post or, or his Instagram or something like that? What I see is him just rolling over and letting Jakob rub his tummy. And you said it was such passion and the rub his tummy analogy. I'd never heard that before. You could have been, honestly, I was like, C should be on WEI right now. Just yelling <laughs> about, you know, talking about Jakob's not going to get him on, but those types of analogies. So that was an A plus analogy. So good. I had to write it down. I caught much <laughs> on it, but uh, nice job, guys. Well, thanks, Trent. Well, we're, we're glad you're back. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been kind of, I mean, we, and we kind of warned the two crew, it's been kind of a, a, a weird time for everybody. So we're going to keep putting out the episodes and we're going to keep, you know, getting together to, to record this thing, but it might not be with the whole crew. So, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing it and, uh, you know, when the whole crew is together, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Um, but you know, we have said in the past that sometimes when you have these interviews, it flows better with two people than three people sometimes and get a little choppy. So I am excited for, for, for all in. And, um, you know, I had some people messaging us last week asking like when we were going to get back to the interviews and I said, Hey, be patient. We're going to get back to the interviews. Um, we're not, you know, we, 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 in October, we said we're not going to do as much interviews because a, like we enjoy, doing just just the crew and i think the the diehard two crews have kind of come to enjoy the the episodes where it's just the boys hanging out but the other thing is we're gonna pick and choose a little bit more i think who we have on um just like people we want to talk to people that we think are going to be interesting and people that are going to be good interviews um and the other thing we're going to do is we're going to run it back and kind of try to get some of the people we've had on in the past back on, um, which you've seen a little bit from us over the past year. So um, we're back on the we're back on the interview chain with with all in um, just to kind of give before we head into this interview with all and just kind of give a little bit of background on who he is uh, and, and what just happened. So all in is I believe he's a seventh year senior at Wisconsin. Um, all in is a. Uh, he's, he's born and raised Madison, Wisconsin. His father was a stud runner for, for Wisconsin back in the eighties, a legendary runner for Wisconsin back in the eighties. He was on the same team with guys like Morgan McDonald, Ollie Hoare. And we've said it many times, Wisconsin's kind of like our adopted college team. Like it's, it's the team that we've, we've, we kind of root the hardest for just because the relationships we've built with the guys on the team and we, we enjoy watching them. And you have this, this, um, you know, this kid Allen who, who's been grinding it out for years, just trying to stay healthy, 
uh, he gets he gets a nice little boost from the from the uh, the COVID eligibility, which he deserves because all the kids that that kind of got screwed by you know COVID kind of messing with their junior and senior year really did deserve that extended eligibility. Took advantage of it, comes away and is in probably his last college race ever. Comes away as the national underdog, national champion in the 5k just to kind of add to the wisconsin legacy the whole story that comes with it so we haven't done the interview we're gonna we're gonna we're he's calling in shortly so we're gonna get in the interview i'm excited to talk to him so uh let's uh let's get into our our interview with Alan hacker olin how you doing man doing good how are you guys oh we're doing great uh thanks for making some time for us yeah of course hey let me just make sure we are recording and we are recording we uh we we lost an episode like a couple weeks ago. Really? We've, been doing this, we've been doing this for <laughs> over three years now. We're like 156 episodes in, and we just lost the complete episode two weeks ago. <laughs> that is a bummer. It's the worst. It, it's it's the biggest bummer in the world because it's like we were we were feeling so good about it. We had it was like an hour and a half podcast, and then we just all had this like collective sinking feeling. We're like, oh no. <laughs> and you did, can't. Did remember. you have a guest on that week? We we didn't. Thank God okay. we didn't have a guest. I feel like if you had a guest, they would be like, "What did I just suck? Like I just <laughs> yeah. not putting it out." Yeah. I, uh... I think we had, we had, I think it was Mariella Hall, but she was in like Dubai, right? For the world championships yeah. a long time ago. So we got up East coast time in America at like, I don't know, it was two 30 in the morning to this interview with her. And we didn't record that one. That was the all time low point. So luckily last week, at least there yeah, wasn't a guest. So we was, recorded. We had to like, yeah. <laughs> um, hey man, uh, we were, we were, so pumped for you to to see you come away with the national championship like we um and we were just talking about it earlier in this episode and we we've had a lot of changes in our lives with the with the podcast and everything so we're gonna keep we keep putting out episodes every week but we just haven't been doing as many interviews but as soon as we saw you like get that win get that national championship all three of us we, we typically have a third host on he, he's he's moving right now so he can't be here right now but all three of us like we've got to get all on like we we were just so pumped to see you wisconsin is like our adopted team you know with yeah. three guys three guys from uh, massachusetts new hampshire but we're just like diehard wisconsin fans so we're i just want to start off by saying we are unbelievably pumped for you thank you um so um, you know, I want to get into the race. I got a lot to talk about, but you know, I just, I need to start off by saying this seventh year senior. Do you consider yourself like the Van Wilder of like cross country track and field? I feel like this is bad, but who's Van Wilder? Oh no. Am I that old? You've never <laughs> seen Van Wilder? Oh, okay. No, I'm just not a big movie guy, All I right. guess, but you might have to give me a little context. So it's uh, it's, it's Ryan Reynolds. He's like a ninth year senior. Uh, do you know the comedian Burt Kreischer? Yeah, yeah. So it's based off of his time at Florida State. Trent, oh, do you okay, know- yeah, okay, I've heard of that. Trent, have you ever seen Van Wilder? I'm with you, Owen. I I am the worst like movie person of all time. <laughs> Steve's pretty good, and so he drops these references, and I just have to look at him with like a, a smile and and hope he doesn't call me out for having never heard of his movie. <laughs> all right, so homework assignment as soon as you get off the podcast you got to go watch van wilder and start calling yourself van wilder of, of the of the running world <laughs> yeah i will so but as a seventh year senior is it is it weird being on campus and seeing kids like seven years younger than you on campus yeah it definitely is i feel like the the biggest thing would be like especially for like 
I think the newest grade of freshmen have seemed, well, they are the years, but they've seen, seemed a lot younger to me. And it's like doing kind of the calculations on like how old they were when I started college starts to like get a little bit like, wow, I really am a lot older than you. <laughs> and they, I feel like they're starting to be a different, they're, they like grew up on Fortnite. And that was like, you know, that was a thing when I was in college. I've never been a big player myself, but like, <laughs> Yeah, they, definitely, they, definitely they didn't know a life old. before that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, did they, so did they look up to you? Did you do you like get asked for this this wisdom to be like you know both both on the track or in the classroom? Like Owen, he he's got to know what's up, or is it like man, Owen doesn't even know how to play Fortnite? Like, <laughs> what's up with that guy? Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm quite old enough to be like the lame like your lame dad quite. Um, I. <laughs> I don't know. I think they think I'm reasonably cool, at least, I hope. <laughs> but like, I don't know. They don't, they, they will ask me for advice. I feel like, especially the kind of the Wisconsin guys that come in, um, like, I feel like some of them, if they were more tuned into the running scene when they were younger, like they kind of know who I am. And then they're like, oh yeah, okay. You know what you're doing. But like some of them, I'm just old enough where they're like, I have no idea what you did in high school. Like, I don't, I've only known you since I've been recruited here. And like, yeah, then it's like, <laughs> so with the you know and, and the reason that you're you've been able to like uh you know stay on the team so long and, and, and be be at Wisconsin long is is because of COVID eligibility rules which you know I I mean like the 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 athletes and students that got affected by COVID and got that time taken away from them you guys got screwed right yeah. so to have so the NCAA adding this time on and allowing you to to uh to 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 take on more eligibility like i'm a i'm in full support of and i think the athletes that took advantage of it like yourself it paid off in a big big way yeah it's been i mean it's been huge for me personally like i feel like you know i just i really like running and i i feel like i kept i wanted to keep getting better i wanted to be better than i was um but i i wasn't good enough to do that on a professional level um after 2020 at when when it was the covid year um well i guess the start of covid and so like then i had the opportunity to stay with wisconsin where i'm still really well supported and like and now i feel like i'm going to be able to realize dreams of professional running that i wouldn't have been able to had i you know not been granted this extra eligibility i feel like i also feel really lucky um too because at least at wisconsin um some of the seniors in 2020 weren't actually allowed to come back because there just wasn't, I don't know exactly, but I think the, the athletic department was just kind of locking down and there just simply wasn't money. And this was kind of when even programs were getting like, like cut. Um, but then I was actually, I was able to come back because I actually was already planning on coming back for a medical red shirt. So it was a bit of a loophole. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I feel very lucky about having that opportunity and then yeah taking full advantage of it I suppose with with two years yeah that was that was a scary time you just mentioned when like yeah. programs like historic programs getting cut left and right mm -hmm. everybody was wondering but uh from your perspective so you knew you were coming back for that that additional year because the medical and obviously it, it was heartbreaking when seasons got cut short and everything but like how quickly in your head were you like man, I might get two more years of this. Like, did it, how quickly did it become like, like something you were excited about and something that you're ready to take advantage of? Actually, at that point, I, I really only thought I would have the, the one year. Um, and then kind of at the end of 
then 2021, I kind of knew I would be able to come back, but it was, it was, I mean, it was just such an uncertain time. And like, I feel like at least at Wisconsin, like, I think everyone was kind of never sure when they were going to just cut the seniors off. And like, we kind of thought it was going to be a possibility anytime. Cause like, even at the end of that year, like, you know, Ollie would have had more eligibility, Alicia would have, and they were like, kind of considering coming back, but then that just wasn't an option. They're like, okay, we're going to go pro. I mean, it worked out very well for them, <laughs> but like, I mean, yeah, they just got cut off. And so, and I think the, the other scary thing too, was like, then that cross country season got canceled. I was like, well, did I just come back and all, all the seasons are going to cancel again and I'm not going to be able to, I'm just going to have done this for nothing. Yeah. That was a scary, it, it, I mean, we Trent just mentioned that was a scary time, but especially for the, the athletes that had a chance to go pro, because you got to balance that. Like I have the opportunity to make money doing something that I love that, you know, most of this sport doesn't get paid to do, or it could go back and kind of chase this dream to get another national title or get one national title. And there's no guarantee that the, that, that season's going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, if I, if I was in the position to take the money at that time, like I would have done it 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. I think the other scary thing though was just because of more uncertainty. Like, I think there was like companies like Nike and Adidas were just like, they, I think their like budgets were more or less frozen and they just couldn't offer money to people. So there was, there was very limited options at that time as well, though. So we're, we're talking about how your perspective has changed on like your potential to become a pro runner. So do you want to take this time to announce that you'll be joining on athletic club uh, after you graduate? I'm going to leave that one, you know, in the, in the, you know, hypothesphere. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I know. I know. I just, just kind of, everybody's thinking it I had to say Every, it, everyone right? is thinking it. I feel like I keep seeing that. Um, like just on random comments, like, Poland on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get let's get to Coker on the phone. Let's make this. <laughs> well, if, if you don't want to announce your, your the, the decision right now, you can come back on the podcast. You know, next week. All right, I'll let you guys know. Definitely. But like, where where are you at with that? Is it something that you just try not to think about as you you know are preparing for a national championship? It just seems like inevitable that it's discussions that you're having right that you're probably having old friends trying to recruit you for on running or for other teams like where how do you balance that in like the final you know few months of your your track season here yeah definitely towards the end of the season like I think it was important for me to reach out to coaches and kind of like get you know a a better understanding of like what were potential options how I kind of thought I would fit into places um but then yeah definitely in the last you know couple weeks um like definitely like in the preparation for regionals and then in the weeks leading up to nationals it was just like I knew that if I got the job done if I I I just needed to focus all my energy on nationals and like if I won that would solve any potential problems that I have and like I mean it would it would create more opportunities um and potentially create more confusion but in a very good way and like so at that point I knew it was just you know, focusing on the race. And I feel like even all the coaches that I talked to, they were kind of like, you know, it's good to get this conversation started early, but you know, when it comes down to race, like we don't, we don't want to take up your time. We don't want to talk to you really. You just focus, you run your race and then we'll talk after. 
I love that. Yeah. So Olin, as somebody that takes a lot of pride in, in where they're from and um, just, I mean, I, I, I live in the town that I, that I grew up in, you know, I, I, I wore a lot, I had a lot of pride wearing that singlet in, in high school to be from Madison, to uh, be, you know, ha- have a legacy of a parent that was a, um, a, a an amazing runner, uh, a, you know, a legendary runner at Wisconsin, to then go to that school and and now be, um, you know, a national champion, you know, wearing that Wisconsin Badger uniform. Like, what what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really incredible. Like, definitely growing up, um, you know, I didn't, like once I was old enough to realize like that my my father was like an athlete for Wisconsin and he was a runner and then I also started to learn like he didn't talk about himself a ton but like I learned that he was really good like there's a picture in our hallway of him winning the cross-country title and of his two championship teams and so I think from there then it's like it's kind of this like dream that you have and you don't really as a kid understand what it takes what it means like even what it is at all but it's like wow I would love to do that too and I think I remember like you know I was running the mile in gym class and like I beat some of my classmates I was like okay I might be kind of good at running (laughs) and so at that point then it's a dream to run at Wisconsin and then you know high school starts happening and then all of a sudden you're starting to actually run well enough where it's like oh I could actually like run for the Badgers um and like just even realizing that was amazing um but yeah then finally this year to like win individual big 10 titles and then to win this national championship. Like I feel like the dream is keeps being more and more far-fetched, but it just keeps happening. And, and yeah, that's, it's just been so cool. I I would also imagine that there has to be kind of like a, um, a, a balance of like being really proud of, of being a legacy and everything that your father accomplished, but now being like, I also, I also did it on my own. Like I now, you know, I also have this to, to show for myself. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I mean, yeah, this is, this is what I've done. And I think, I I don't think, I mean, I just think the fact that we've both done it is cool, but I think the fact, the fact that he did it first, like, I don't think that takes away anything from, from my accomplishments. And like, in a lot of ways, it, it just makes me more proud. Like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's like, it's like the, I feel like in the 1500, when you're the favorite, it's really hard to win. Like, I don't know, you, sometimes you have a really talented dad. He's really good at running. Like you're kind of the favorite to be good at running. It, it sometimes makes it harder, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and you, you had a, like a, you know, lots of success in your career to be proud of, but when you finally actually get that national championship, I mean, that, that cements you in like a whole new league. Like, it's so nice to have you on now, right? After it, because I could say, man, a lot of pressure to like go out and finally get that national champion before, before you're finally done with school now. But you get that. You go from like, oh man, like, you know, son of a great runner who also had a lot of success to your own chapter, right? Yeah. It's like now it's, it's the own chapter of how you are one of the all-time greats totally on your own. And, and it's crazy that it can be, you know, you getting outkicked or you kicking out kicking somebody else in the last, you know, couple uh, meters of, of one race, but it truly does come down to something I think that fine. And, and I don't know if that's sad in that or for you that you are now like 
you know, you're now an all-time great and it's just one race, but you did it. I, I think it has. And I think how it has is like, I realized that, yeah, the difference between me winning this one race and not like, I think then I might, I might be like in the Wisconsin, like athletic hall of fame at some point. And I feel like it's just one race that separates it, but like, it just takes you over the border. Like, so yeah, you know, one, won some big times. He was, you know, big friggin' race while he was there, but like, yeah, just really everything changes. Yeah. Which I guess that's the beauty of sports, right? It's like you showed up on the biggest day of your yeah. life and you had the best race that you could mm-hmm. have. And, and now you get to go down to history. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the beauty of it. Now, Alan, now that you're a national champion, um, do you have a bed frame? <laughs> I do. Okay, good. <laughs> um, although I'll be super honest. So I had, I had my bed on a box spring for a while, but then I moved. Um, and I, I couldn't fit the box spring into the car. So got rid of the box spring. The mattress did fit into the car, moved the mattress. And then I was like, okay, you know, I'm 25 now. Well, at that time I was 24. I need a bed frame. And so I was looking around. Um, I found a bed frame on the side of the road, you know, put it together. Um, but then it turns out it was a queen size bed and I had a full. And so that wasn't going to work. So got rid of that one. And then, you know, I feel like around moving time yeah there's a lot of stuff on the side of the road i found this futon frame (laughs) um so i brought that up that's been working it's it works as a bed frame it's great (laughs) so kind of (laughs) so i i I have a funny story so (laughs) i was uh i was living in a house uh outside of boston with with two of my best friends and uh you know i mean your typical uh you know post-collegiate house right we're you know working hard not making a ton of money but having fun in the city um you know trying to be adults but at the same time (laughs) still living like college kids and you know for the first year and a half uh yeah I didn't have a bed frame my my bed was on a box spring (laughs) on the floor and I remember turning 26 and being like you know I gotta get my act together I gotta get a bed frame (laughs) and there was it was this house we were renting and there was just a bed frame in the basement and it was like the owner's, it must have been like the owner's bed frame. And I just like took it up to my room, set it up on my bed. And I was like, all right, now I feel like an adult. My, my, my bed is uh, two and a half feet off the ground. We're good. Yeah, I feel like an adult. I took this random bed frame from the basement. <laughs> I've made it. I stole a bed frame. <laughs> and now I'm an adult. Since so I feel like, you know, through college, like, I feel like I moved houses a fair amount. I don't want to bed frames are expensive, you know, yeah. and I, this summer I was looking, I was looking on Facebook marketplace a lot for one. And I kind of found one that like, I thought was like kind of cool. And it was like, it was a little bit retro. Um, but yeah, I didn't end up getting it because I'm too cheap. So are you no longer in the Wisconsin track house? I'm no longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm in, I'm in a house nearby, but I kind of, I let some of the younger guys move into there. It was, it was very exciting for them. Gotcha. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I, I missed my opportunity on the bed frame thing, but I just want to say again that I did not have a bed frame for like my first fire. And I still don't really understand. I would never have one if my girlfriend didn't have one. Because <laughs> I went like, you know, my entire first apartment out of school. I still don't really understand the point of it unless it's for storage. If you live in a small apartment, it's nice to be able to fit stuff You can under. store stuff under the bed. Yeah. Does, does your girlfriend like it when you store things under the bed though? I mean, I think she's generally... If it's okay. organized? 
Yeah, if it's organized, okay. like if you have the, one of the big bins that you can go to okay, the yeah. store and get and slide it in. I mean, if you live in a tiny apartment, it's kind of necessary. Yeah, well, that's true. I so, bet I guarantee you, I guarantee you like 90% of dudes listening to this podcast right now, like, yeah, I didn't have a bed frame. Yeah, it's just, it's, it was fun. I, I slept fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can move on. I just, I had to go back to that point real quick. Uh, so you you were talking a little bit of just kind of a, a you know race tactics and how the 5k might be different than the 1500 and how there's I mean I think what you're getting at is there's no hiding in the 5k like it's not it's you know it, there's a lot of luck involved in some of these other events you need to run a perfectly tactical race with a 5k it's a little bit more grit it's a little bit more preparation it's a you know it's, it's a little bit more it shows a little bit more the you know year the essentially a year's body of work that went into that race. And I was watching your race again this afternoon. And, you know, I think in terms of, even though there's not a ton of tactics in a 5k, as far as tactic goes, you ran it fairly tactical. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you were, you, 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 you were, you, you went out and you were pretty much on the rail yeah. until about 3k. And then, the pack started to move a little bit, you know, it, 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 it you started to get boxing. So you jumped out and you kind of went to the front and you got on his shoulder, but was that, was that something I'm, I'm always interested in this. Was that something that was planned out or was that just kind of uh, you fell into that? And that was your, your essentially, you know, your experience and your training that just kind of allowed you to, to run a pretty tactical race. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, more or less, it was a plan. I think I never have a super specific plan just because it's just impossible to predict what's going to happen. So you just have to respond. But I mean, I kind of liked having lane one and I knew like, I just, if I get out hard, like, like with lane one, it's either great because you get out and you just get a perfect lane to the front. Or if you don't get out, everyone crashes in on you and then yeah, you're screwed then. Um, So like I knew I needed to get out and then also just learning from last year. I mean, nobody went down this year, but, Last year I was in the back. Mm-hmm. If you're in the back and somebody falls, you're going to have to avoid them. If you're on the front, you, you don't have to avoid it. Um, but Nico so I, did almost trip you up. Well, yeah, we did. We did, but okay. his, yeah, his leg hit my leg and so that was scary. So I just want to paint a picture. Uh-huh. So Nico swings out, trips you up, you go down, you realize seven years of hard work and I'm in a position to win this damn race. Do you square up against Nico Young on the track there? Uh, probably not. So funny story. I we're, we're kind of getting away. But so at Penn, I fell. Yes. Um, and I was heated after that one. I don't, I don't get mad super easily. I tend to like people in general. Um, but I felt like um, there was a guy from Providence. And I felt like he had cut me off. He and did. that had caused me to have to slow down. And then, and then I had, when I had to slow down, then I kind of lost all bearing of where I was and I was trying to cut out. And then that's when Osberg clipped me from behind. Um, so at anything now, at that point, it was my fault that I took Osberg and I out, but I definitely at the time as well, blamed it on the Providence guy. And I was, I went up to him after the race and I had some words and he kind of laughed at me, which made me more mad, <laughs> but my teammates had my back there. So we didn't fight though. <laughs> yeah. It's always tough, man. Like the, so you go down in a race in, in, you go down and you're, you're going to take other people with you. And it's like, not only is your 
not only is your race screwed up, but you screwed up somebody else's. It's a, it's gotta be a tough feeling, but yeah. luckily you didn't go down and you came yes. away with the, you came away with the trophy. So. <laughs> have you, uh, have you watched the replay of you going down um, when you get clipped? Cause you're, there's like a slow, everybody on Twitter, right. Is, is doing a little deep dive investigations, like who caused the, the pileup basically. <laughs> and your like tuck and roll was, incredible <laughs> it's like i don't yeah. know I'm really impressed with myself i don't know how that one happened but yeah somehow midair i like i twisted so i didn't like fully land on my face and skid but yeah my and, and the thing is because i i more rolled so i didn't actually have a ton of like rash from that one it i'm i'm serious it was uh everybody should go and try and find that on twitter i right <laughs> some slow moments of you just like getting clipped and going down um so yeah hats off to you for for making Thank that you. as graceful as you could did you see the uh, the clip of the the Iowa high school state meet eight hundred meters? Yes, was that when the the Kid one got, guy got punched? Yeah, yeah, he got cut off and uh, he he punched the kid in the back of the head. The kid <laughs> went down, and then they let the kid that went down run a essentially a time trial, and he ended up finishing third with the time trial. So I don't know, but I just thought it was funny. But yeah, that's wild (laughs) (laughs) all right so i i couldn't find it anywhere i was like frantically searching for it before we got on the podcast but the picture of of you and your team it's the whole wisconsin team dressing up was it before cross-country nationals uh two years ago i think in 2019 okay it was 2019 and you all wore like top hats and like ridiculous coats and everything you, you were involved in that, right? Yes. Okay. Whose idea was that? It was 100% Ollie Hoare okay. idea. <laughs> like, I don't remember how it came up exactly, but he was just like on Amazon and he found these just like, oh no, what we had, uh, we had watched um, American Gangsters, I think. Okay. <laughs> with, uh, it was like the, it was like the Irish mob versus, yep. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, he was like, oh, they dress so cool. So he's like, he was like looking for like, you know, coats for us to wear. And then he found these on the internet, but they're like ridiculous and like all colors. And he's like, guys, we have to do this. Uh, and then they looked actually the, so cheap, which made it 10 times better. Oh, they were so cheap. Yeah. I mean, we didn't want to, again, you know, I don't have bed for money. We don't have a lot of money to spend on costumes. Um, but we, the, the day of that banquet to be like, we went to like the party city in Terre Haute and like got some, you know accessories we got some hats we got some like white gloves and like I think somebody got a monocle um but yeah that was see that was rough though because I think we all kind of regret it because we ended up having just a terrible race and so like I feel like you know we made this like goofy statement but then you kind of have to back that up and we really did not and Mick was not happy with us about that (laughs) he did not know what we were going to do and like he's normally not really a fan of that sort of thing yeah. Like, he's just like, you know, be nice, young gentleman and be normal. Um, but we thought we were hilarious. And then, yeah, we had our parade rained on a little bit the next day. Uh, everybody thought it was funny. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it'd be, you know, before we kind of enter the, the end of the interview here, I, you know, we, we just talked about Ollie, but, you know, having, having been on a team with, you know, two of the collegiate greats over the past, you know, yeah. four or five years, a guy like Morgan McDonald, Ollie Hoare. 
what I guess I guess my question is like, did you gain um, uh, significant knowledge or rather confidence just being with those guys, training with those guys, seeing how those guys went about what they did? And, you know, were you able to apply that to, you know, your career and eventually a national championship? Yeah, I think so. I think for a while, like I felt like I was working out with them and I was gaining confidence from that because I was like, okay, I'm working out with two national champions right here. And I'm like, I can keep up with them. Like, I feel like, you know, I should be kind of in that conversation as well. And then, but I wasn't. (laughs) And so I feel like that was kind of confusing for me for a while. But then I think kind of as I got older, um, I kind of realized like, I mean, there was a lot of good lessons there. Like, I feel like I was probably pushing to keep up with them and that may have, you know, that may have helped me down the road, but wasn't necessarily helping me for my next race. And I feel like, but I remember too, it's like, they weren't doing anything exceptional. And so I feel like then kind of, you know, this year, especially like I wasn't doing anything exceptional. Like I was, you know, all the guys on my team were doing workouts with me and they, I mean, they ran really well this year, but like I was even a step above them and we're doing the same thing. So I feel like it just, it gave me confidence this year to know, like, I don't have to do anything crazy to, you know, compete on a national level. And then I think also I'll add in Alicia Munson in there. Like, I feel like those two, you know, with, with the Australian thing, it all gets a little bit mysterious. They're like, (laughs) well, are they just a different breed? You know, Alicia's just from Northern Wisconsin. She's a hometown girl. Like I was like, okay, she's from Wisconsin. She's, I I can do it if she can as well. (laughs) Yeah. She, she, she's one of our favorites too. We, uh, I love watching her race, but I, I think what you said about, um, you know, it, I think it's a really great lesson for all runners at every single level, whether you're high school, college, post-collegiate, or just kind of somebody trying to, trying to get better at their, their local 5k, um, going out there doing the work. And even at the time, at the time of doing the work, the work isn't exceptional or it's not outstanding. You're doing the work and, um, it doesn't need to be exceptional necessarily when you're doing the work you need to show up and perform on race day. That's when it needs to be exceptional. And I think a lot of people can get down on themselves and they can beat themselves up by not hitting certain times and workouts or in runs. But when, when you, when, you know, when it really boils down, that doesn't matter. You know, what you post, what you post on Strava in your workout doesn't matter. It matters when the gun goes off, and, um, you know, when, the, when, the, when, it, when the real stakes are on the line. Yeah. And I think even for me personally, like, I feel like sometimes when my workouts start to get upset, exceptional, that's when I start racing poorly. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I try to keep it uh, just fine. <laughs> yeah. well, very cool. Great, great advice. Um, so if you've, if you've listened to any of our interviews with Morgan, Ollie, or Alicia, we end every single interview with a quick game. We call it down the home stretch where we just fire rapid fire questions. They're the most random questions about a single topic. And uh, we're going with seventh year senior. So Trent, do you want to kick us off with the first down the home stretch question? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do it here. So Olin, what's like the classic college hobby, you know, uh, slack line, frisbee, uh, binge drinking. What's the one that you failed to master? <laughs> it is Catan. <laughs> Okay. We played so much Catan during the pandemic and we actually had to stop playing because we started to get into like real fights over it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, nothing better than a board game fight. 
So I think by the time anybody gets to their senior year, you have at least one or two joke classes that you're throwing on there just to kind of fill certain requirements, get some credits. You've had a little bit more time to get some of those joke classes than maybe some other people. What's the biggest joke class that you've taken in your seven years at Wisconsin? I don't know if it was a joke class, but I think it was, I took a drawing class with Morgan. Um, and I mean, it was kind of like, it wasn't serious, but I, I mean, we actually, we really both had so much fun in it. Um, wasn't really for our majors, but yeah, we had, we, you know, we could just take it, um, did a lot of watercolor drawing, some charcoal together. Um, I really love that one. I think I need a, I think I need a, uh, Wisconsin cross-country team original watercolor to hang in my office right now. All right. I'll, I'll send one over. All right. <laughs> Sign that over. That'll be the prize position. Um, okay. Did you call yourself a senior for the last four years or when you knew it might be a while, did you start like repeating junior just so you weren't a senior for four years? Yeah. So I think, you know, my fourth year, it was kind of senior, fifth year, kind of fifth year, senior. And then after that, like if someone asked me my grade, it'd be more of like a, uh, it just, you I don't really school. give them a straight answer. <laughs> yeah. I'm a grad student. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, you got a, a, a big football, basketball school in your time at Wisconsin. What's the best football and or basketball game that you've ever attended? Um, yeah, that's a good one. I think one of the most memorable, I guess I've got two very memorable ones. One was we played Ohio, the football team played Ohio State. Um, it was a really good game, tie game. Um, and I was with my two roommates, Zach Snyder and Ben Eidenschenk. Um, and it went to overtime. And and Ben and I were like, actually, I don't remember. I think, I think Ben and I were like, okay, we can't miss the end of this game. We have to stay and watch it. Actually, maybe it was Zach. I really don't remember. Um, <laughs> We're like, we have to watch the end of this game. If we leave and they win, like we'll never forgive ourselves. And then, so the other roommate laughed, got to bed, got ready for the long run the next morning. And then we stayed, watched it. They lost. We were sad. That's brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> you had to stay though. You had to stay. Yeah, you got, had to stay. Had to stay. You're in college. Um, all right. What'd you figure out about college not related to running in your seventh year that like sixth year you would never have known? I think, I think what I learned through college is maybe this isn't great advice for everyone, but like, I feel like throughout college, maybe this wasn't just in my seventh year, but I tried less and less hard in school, but I pretty much had the same results. Like, <laughs> and I, I, you know, maybe it was just, I was same as your more, workouts. Uh, yeah. I was just getting more efficient at studying maybe, but like, yeah, I like had good grades through college, but I tried progressively less every year. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, studying doesn't need to be exceptional. It only matters what you do on test day. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, you know, we, we've mentioned that Wisconsin has become kind of our adopted team. We, we, we love the, the sports there. We love the, 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 the culture that the cross country and track team have built there. And we've decided once we pull our act and, you know, surprisingly, we have a pretty strong listenership in Wisconsin. We have a lot of members, we call them the two crew uh, in, in Wisconsin. So we've decided when we pull our act together, we're going to come and do a trip to Wisconsin. When should we come? Is there a time of year? Is there a, uh, a certain meet, certain cross country race that we, we have to be at? Yeah. I mean, I think the best times of year in Wisconsin are kind of late spring around May, but that gets really iffy because it's either like beautiful 
or it's terrible. Like the weather gets really iffy. But so I think the most consistent time of year would be um, around like late September, um, because then also then the leaves start to change and it's very pretty. If you get out to the Zimmer cross country course, like there's just nothing better than doing an afternoon workout there. The grass is green, but the leaves are changing. Um, yeah, I, in my opinion, that's that's the time to go late September, early October. Um, and then, you know, I guess the, for the meet, you know, got to go to Nutty. Nutty Comb. Yeah, that's the one. We got to Yeah, when is Nutty Comb usually? Um, Mid October? Yeah, I should know. That. It's it's those it's the middle middle of October, yeah. We can do Nutty Comb. Yeah. I, yeah so that's that's often a nice time. We've been saying it for a couple years. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Wisconsin is our people. Like that's just I just feel like I'd I'd get along with with people from Wisconsin so well. Anyways, Trent, hit him with the last question. All right, Olin. If you had the opportunity, would you come back for an eighth year? <laughs> Honestly, no. I've <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done my time. Um, I feel like this year was the first year. Well, I think it's because I finally accomplished all my goals. So I'm ready to move on. <laughs> well said. Well, and thank you again for coming on the podcast. Like I said, at the beginning of this interview, we are unbelievably pumped for you. This is, uh, it, it's been a lot of fun watching you. Um, this is, this is, uh, you know, movie material right here. So maybe there's a, there'll be a movie made about you <laughs> one day. Um, but congratulations and, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thanks again to all in for coming on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Like couldn't be happy for him. Uh, great interview lived up to the, to the, uh, peak too early whereabouts failure, Wisconsin legacy that we've come to expect here. So, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, Hey, so, you know, before we kind of wrap up here, we want to talk a little track news and it's a, uh, it's about a, a friend of the program. So we're going to talk a little Devin Allen and uh, at the recent USATF uh, New York city grand prix, Devin Allen ran the third fastest 110 hurdles uh, of all time um, beating upsetting Grant Holloway in a stacked field. Uh, just pretty incredible if you haven't watched this race yet you got to get on the google machine and find it right away because it is impressive um he's 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 beat like 70 percent through the race you watching this he's beat grant holloway's got him beat and he just turns on the burner gets him on the last couple hurdles and then coming into the to the line he has got a gap on the field like this is one of the more impressive races in any distance I've ever watched. Yeah. So I, I didn't watch it live. So I knew what had happened. I go to watch the replay and I, I was watching it with you online here. I'm like, Oh man, Holloway's got him right now. And I'm thinking, Oh, does he out lean him at the end or something like that? He just throws in a surge, you know, like you said, three quarters through the race to blow him away. Uh, incredible the timing of this is just insane though i'm watching it i'm like you sure you want to play football Devin Allen? are you sure that you want to go sign with the eagles i mean we'll get into that more in a second but for a guy who just signed a contract with the nfl to go out and kick grant holiday's ass and everyone else in the field uh <laughs> and it was fun well trent i'll i'll take it a step further and i believe that this is a result of signing an nfl contract because Something like the, the one Ted hurdles where it's such a bang, bang, um, event distance. You need to be loose. 
You need to be going with the flow. You need to be instinctual. Um, there's no time for thought. There's no time for grinding it out, gutting out that event. It is just go and, and let your training fly. Now, when track and field is now your secondary sport, you're making significantly more money from another sport. And this just gets to be something that you do uh, to pad your legacy, chase your, your Olympic dreams one more time, something that you do on the side from your actual day job. Uh, it loosens things up. Yeah. It allows you, it allows you to be more go with the flow. And when you let go of expectation and when you let go of stress and pressure, I think this is a result of what happens. You become the current best in the world at this event. And, uh, I, it's, it's pretty incredible. Did you, uh, did you get that track, uh, that hurdles, uh, insight from RG threes, uh, analysis, this, uh, wow. this weekend of the championship. <laughs> now that was, we that can, was something to talk about. But we, we, can, we can go down that rabbit hole in a second. I, I'll, since you brought it up, I will say, I think RG three is going to be good for the sport. I yeah. think, I think Robert Griffin, the third former, uh, quarter NFL quarterback, uh, turned, uh, track and field analyst is somebody I think we're all track and field fans are going to have to get used to seeing in the booth at these track events. Uh, I think he's going to be good for the sport. Cause I think he, he makes it, I, I thought he was decent. I don't think he was bad. I think he's passionate about track and field. Um, I think he was, he was okay. And I think he's just going to add some more eyeballs. So we don't need to go too far down that road. I feel like we're going to get into some DK Metcalf territory. If we go too far down that road, but back to Devin Allen, like, there, there is one bad part about this trend. You want me to get into the bad part about this? I want to hear the bad part. Let's because, go. Well, before we get into bad, I will say like Devin Allen is on the fast track for the Olympics again, and he's going to be able to do the Olympics along with his, and it's going to be awesome. And guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to place a, a decent sized wager on him to, to win gold when he makes the next Olympic team. But anyways, the bad part about this is now Eagles fans get to get excited about what we have been saying for years now. We've been saying this for years, how there's this guy that we love. I mean, you can go back and listen to the Devin Allen episode when we had him on the, on the podcast. He's a guy that we've been massive fans of since he was catching passes from Marcus Mariota in a ducks uniform. And when he turned, uh, turned a uh, pro in track and field he's somebody that we've been saying it's like man he i bet you i bet you devin allen can still ball a little bit and and now eagles fans get to claim all of that and we can't participate in any of it and i hate it when eagles fans get anything i can't stand eagles fans so the fact that eagles fans get to take all of our momentum that we have been saying we've been screaming into this microphone saying Bill Belichick, we got your guy. We got your next hidden gem, and his name is Devin Allen. Sign this man now. The fact that the Fly Eagles Fly crowd gets to take that from us, it's pissing me off. You know, it's going to be tough, too, is that Devin Allen, when you, when you watch him celebrate this win uh, that he had, and he's, he's done this in the past, too. He's, 
he loves the camera, right? He goes yeah. up right up to it. He loves to be goofy. He loves to be silly. He takes the flowers from the flower girl and he chucks it in the stands and he's dancing around. You know he's going to have like celebrations ready to go. He's going to be a flamboyant out there on the football field. He's going to be just trash talking. He's going to be drawing all the attention. And it's exactly the type of stuff that, you know, and I think despite our hatred for the Philadelphia Eagles, for we're not going to be able to help ourselves, but root for Devin Allen out there when he's on the field. But when he's out there celebrating and, and Eagles fans are getting wearing their Devin Allen jerseys, it's just going to make it all the, all the more worse. And listen, I have, I have my teams, I have my uniforms, my players that I despise and I can't stand. And I don't know. I'll say this. I don't feel that way about the Eagles, but I sure as hell feel that way about their fans. And now you get all the, all the, you know, the, the Philadelphia being like, Hey, just, uh, this guy over here, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's out here doing the hurdles and we got him streaking down the field, catching touchdown passes. I, I, it's going to make me so angry. It's like, yeah, I've been talking about this guy for years. You're just figuring out about him now. So are you rooting against them in the world championships coming up? Just no, no, no. I want Devin Allen. And here's the thing. I'm not even going to root against them on the football field. I want them to do well in the football field. I'm rooting against their fans. I don't, I don't want Eagles fans to have any satisfaction on anything, especially when it's coming from my sport. You know what I mean, Trent? Like I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not going to root against him in anything, but I'm going to root against their fans. I'm just, I, I get it. I get totally get it. Is there any world where Devin Allen looks at this and he's like, I just beat Grand Holloway. He goes to the world championships, which I think are, are in about a month from now. Let's say he goes out and he posts, you know, a first place finish. Let's just go to the full edge of the hypothetical. Is there any world where he's like, maybe, maybe it's not worth going out and getting my head blown off by some middle linebacker when I still got this amount of juice left in me on the hurdles? I think he looks at uh, $700,000 a year in his bank account says, Oh yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, Oh, but you know, by the time I'm done, even if my NFL career only lasts two years, by the time I'm done with my NFL career, I'm a millionaire. Oh yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's all you need to say right there. So uh, I guess we can root for him fully then. And then uh, we'll still have to see him on a, on an Eagle sideline next year, but. All right. Well, we, we, you know, so we, we've talked a little track news. Um, Trent, before we get off the podcast, I need you to talk me off of my Celtics ledge right now. I need, like, I just, I need a little pep talk. I need, I need, I need you to pump me up a little bit here. I'm just going to start with my, uh, my, my uh, finishing thoughts that I originally was going to say, I was going to say, Steve, we got to talk Boston sports. It's critical that we talk Boston. We do every week, and it would just be not fair to not talk about it if one of our teams was struggling a little bit. But luckily, the Red Sox are back, so we can talk Boston sports <laughs> all day. The Sox can't lose. They're on fire right now, uh, kicking everybody's ass. Uh, I continue to believe the Celtics are the better team, and they're just beating themselves like day in and day out and I know Curry can go off and be amazing but I see our team and, and we just these dumb turnovers and, and we just seem to lose our cool and you get game six back home right back in your own building I know like home court hasn't been everything in these postseason but you get the boys back home 
little chance to just collect their composure. All you got to do is win game six. And I still think the better team. They just got to not make dumb turnovers, dumb mistakes. And anything can happen in game seven, Steve, as you know. Anything can happen in game seven. So we need we need to come back to our building, protect our court, where we are, have the best fans in the world that are that are getting into the Warriors' heads the last couple games they've been here. Let's get the fans rolling. Let's get the Celtics under composure. No dumb mistakes. Get a winning game six, and then anything's on the table for game seven. Yeah, Trent. So I uh, the um, actually, if if you're if you're around, you, you you have the invite to join us. But so the the Red Sox sent down an email today saying that they're they're going to do a um, a watch party at Fenway Park. So the tickets are free. Like I, I scooped up a, a handful. Um, you can go to Fenway Park and watch the Celtics game tomorrow. And um, I'll tell you what, Trent, when I wake up, when the alarm goes off tomorrow morning and I get out of bed, I'm just going to say, don't let us win tonight. Don't let us win tonight. Don't let us get hot, Steve. Don't let us win tonight. Kevin Millar, 2004, you know, greatest comeback in the history of sports, Juju. I'm going to Fenway Park. I'm going to wear my cowboy up shirt. Don't let us win tonight. So that's all. The stats probably don't back this up, but it's way more demoralizing for the away team to have to go back cross country to San Francisco and gear up again for game seven, whereas the Celtics will be riding high, have all the momentum in the world, uh, push it off. We've already won uh, a crucial game seven in, in Miami. Uh, oh, Milwaukee was game seven as well, right? So we... Yeah. We uh we're the game seven team right now. They don't want to play Boston in game seven, Steve. The Celtics. Wait, how, how does it work? We where we where are we playing tomorrow night? We're playing in Six Boston, Golden State, seven Golden State. Okay, yeah. Don't so let us win tonight on the parquet. Tomorrow night is in our backyard, baby. Tomorrow night we're gonna get the fans roaring. We're gonna have Clay Thompson complaining that the fans are being too mean to Draymond Green. Uh, they're gonna lose their composure. We're going to take care of business and then all momentum with us as we go out West, take care of business. So I like what you said. Don't let us, don't let us win tomorrow, Golden State. All right. Well, uh, why don't we kick off the Bell app? Well, I've got absolutely nothing else to add. My Bell app was, I mean, I should have known we we're going to talk Celtics on it, but I will just focus on the Red Sox, the Bell app. It's fun to come back home and, and watch some Sox games. Uh, it's harder to watch when I'm out there I'm on my iPad because I got to get, you know, the, the, the streaming apps to, to pull one up. So back home, little Sox. So shout out to the Red Sox. I haven't really paid as much close attention as I should because the Celtics haven't rolling, uh, but it was nice to get a little taste. Now I'll put you on pause. Got a couple big games for Boston. Uh, and then we get a nice summer ahead with the, the hottest team in baseball right now. I will wrap up my bell lap for those of you who are still listening. Um, we're going to do a small apparel singlet drop. So for anybody that's been asking us uh, about when we're going to do more singlets, uh, we have an apparel drop coming later this summer, which they'll be, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be, a lot of buzz around that. It's going to be for charity. We'll, we'll dive into that later. But for the people that have been asking us for singlets, um, we are going to do a very, very small apparel drop. I will post some pictures on the apparel on the Instagram and Twitter. Um, all the purchasing of apparel will be done via the Instagram and Twitter DM. So if you see it uh, and, you, and you like it, you want us, shoot us a DM. We'll, we'll figure out 
how to get that to you. Or if you just, if you sight unseen, you want it and you and just shoot us a DM on either one of those two platforms and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll get it to you, but they're uh, it's a different color singlet. They're going to be pretty sick. So, um, but like I said, a very, very small drop. And once, once these come, once these go, they're, they're, they're not coming again. So uh, first come first serve on this. So stay tuned. All right, Trent, the athletic integrity unit is at my door and I got to go get a burrito. I would wait. How do I end this? How do I end this? Man, I, I miss you. the old. I'm, we're going to go back to the old way soon. I'll say the athletic integrity unit is at my door and I got to go get a burrito. Mike, hit me with the Joes. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say You know I like my girls a little bit older I just want to use your love tonight I don't want to lose your love tonight I ain't got many friends left to talk to Nowhere to run when I'm in trouble You know I'd do anything for you Stay the night but keep it undercover I just wanna use your love tonight Oh, I don't wanna lose your love tonight Aaron was like, I, I, I ran out to the store to grab some beer. And uh, Aaron was like, grab something sweet. And uh, I was like, okay. So I got I got like a, I got a six pack of Corona. I got a six pack of Miller. And then I got a six, six pack of like Twisted Tea or whatever. And I uh, came back. I was like, packed open Miller. Gave a, gave a Twisted Tea to Aaron. And she's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, I was like, you wanted something sweet. She's like, I thought you were gonna get ice cream or like candy or something. <laughs> you had this in the right place. Yeah. I don't wanna lose your love tonight. I don't wanna. I don't wanna your love.